You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. As a longtime foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles, and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. Our show features our team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. And they'll help you make the most of your money while cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. You'll get clarity on strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. Listen to Nerd Wallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Brad from Chooseify, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. This is Leaf from Physician on Fire, and you're listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Hey, this is Billy from Wealth Well Done, and you are listening to the What's Up Next podcast. Stay tuned for the next hour. It's going to be fantastic. What's up next? Where your hosts, Paul David Thompson and Doc G, take the discussion on topics in the financial independence movement to the next level. Guest panelists share their opinion to questions that don't have clear answers to help you refine your path to financial independence. So, Paul Thompson, what's up next? Well, we have an interesting panel today and a question that is very short, but I think profound. Is college worth it? So we have Leaf, Brad, and Billy here. So I'll give you a chance to give you a quick intro. Brad, can you tell us a little about yourself? Yeah, sure thing. So I am a father of two. I live in Richmond, Virginia. I am a co-host on the Choose a Five podcast. And yeah, I guess I reached financial independence or certainly left my corporate job about almost four years ago at this point. Yeah, just kind of living the Phi life now, which is wonderful. Leif, can you give us a, a quick intro? Sure. I've got a lot in common with Brad. I'm a father of two. I'm in my early 40s. I reached FI three or four years ago. Uh, however, I'm still working as an anesthesiologist, and I do have a, an online presence as well, uh, and that's physicianonfire.com, which is my website for teaching other high-end professionals about financial independence. Wonderful. Thanks for coming out today. Billy, quick intro, please. Yeah. Hey, this is Billy from Wealth Well Done. I'm a f- former drug user, partier, thought experimenter who sobered up when he was about 20, eventually found financial independence in my 30s, started some businesses. I'm a landlord. I'm married happily. I love to save money, invest it, and I write it Wealth Well Done about the 300000 I made in five years. Excellent. So I want to start off the conversation with a little bit of a funny question. Uh, Leif, I'm going to start with you and I want to run through the panel. So tell me what you've been doing for the last 24 hours. How many hours have you slept? And did it require a college education? I'll answer the last question first. Yes, it required a college education, a medical school education, and an anesthesia residency. So I was on call from 6 a.m. yesterday till 6 a.m. today. I worked during the day. I actually got home for dinner for a couple hours, then went back in to help uh, fix a, a patient with a broken hip and a patient with a stomach volvulus. Got home at 2, 2.15 in the morning. Slept uh, actually a good six hours before waking up to get cleaned up and talk to you guys. All right, Brad, same question to you. 
Yeah, so last 24 hours, I have recorded a podcast episode for Chooseify. I am recording this podcast episode. I've been to uh, CrossFit twice. I had lunch with my wife. I went to my daughter's swim practice. And yeah, I don't think any of that requires a college degree. And you, Billy? Yeah, so the last 24 hours, I have a sales business where I work from home. This is my home office. I sell promotional apparel products to corporate accounts. So my last 24 hours was mostly sitting at home, answering emails, phone calls, helping long-term clients I've had for five years. I went out and saw a couple yesterday, came home, kind of just juggling all the balls of running businesses and managing money. And I would say none of it required a college degree. And did you get a good night's sleep last night? I slept fantastic. I watched some football last night, relaxed with my wife, and now it's Friday and weekends is when I kind of enjoy my free life or sometimes during the week since I'm self-employed. So Leif, as I listen to this, I'm thinking that if I was an alien and I came here to study American culture, I would look at educational level and feel like it's inversely correlated to status. So tell me, you know, what, what's the deal? You're the most highly educated of the group. And yet it seems like you live the hardest life at the moment. At the moment, that's, that's a key caveat because my typical work month involves three 24-hour call shifts like that. And usually they're not that busy. I just uh, you know, had uh, uh, the, the great, greater black cloud over me last night. But I actually usually work a part-time schedule, which involves four days at an outpatient surgery center where they don't call you back once you go home. That might be two, three, or four o'clock, and then take one weekend of call like this. So, so if you would have caught me on any of the other 21 to 24 days of the month, I would have told you something very similar to what, what Brad told you or you know, what, what you were up to on an average day. Is your schedule typical full-time anesthesia job? Uh, it has been until the last year I dropped part-time. So a uh, normal job would work, uh, you know, you work almost twice as much. There's work-life balance and it's, it's harder to achieve as a physician for sure. We tend to err on the side of work and not so much on the side of, of life, at least not our own lines. Brad, I want to bring it over to you. On the Choose FI podcast, you guys talk a lot about the talent stack. And Leaf and I had to build our talent stack through going to college, going to medical school, residency. For some of us have to do fellowships. For today's economy, does building your talent stack require education and specifically college? I mean, I would say it certainly requires education. Whether it requires a traditional four-year degree, I think is, is up for debate, certainly. I, I think in my own case, and you know, I said before, my last 24 hours didn't require a college degree. But that's kind of a, a cutesy way of saying it, because really, in essence, would I have reached financial independence if I didn't get a college degree and I didn't work as an accountant for 13 years? And would that have afforded me the opportunity to get where I am today? I'm not so sure, right? So it's unknowable. Obviously, it's a counterfactual, right? Like I can't prove what my life would have been without, without college. But I think clearly in my case, this talent stack, as you say, has, that I've put together over the last handful of years, almost 10 years at this point, has helped me get to where I am. So I tried multiple online businesses and many of them, quote unquote, failed, right? But it's almost like a fail forward situation where I learned something from every single one of those, right? So would I be where I am today if I didn't have some combination of my accounting degree, my CPA license, 
And all these skills that I've picked up over the last 10 years worth of, again, quote, failures, I don't think so. So, Billy, I'd like to throw it over to you. Brad asks, would I be where I am if I hadn't had some of that education? You went and got a college education. In fact, I think on your website, you said you graduated with a 4.0. On the other hand, you Later said, in life, when I was 30, yes. Yeah, you said that in your first job, you were stacking magazines. So, why after graduating, didn't you, you know, enter corporate America like most people do? You know, going backward, I would say the most pivotal point in my life came when I was about 22 to 23 years old after I went through college the first time and I totally abandoned everything I learned from college. And it was the most freeing experience I had to finally not have to live my life being told what to do. Like all through high school, that's 12 years of high school. Then you got three to four years of college, and the entire time you're told what to do, you have to take tests from what other people assume what your intelligence level is, and I did that to perfection. But I was just pretending the whole time what everybody wanted me to be. So when I was like 23, 24, when I realized my life sucks because all the drugs and the partying I was using, I was like, you know what? I'm finally, for the first time, not going to care about what everybody else wants to tell me what I should do, and I'm going to go on a search to figure out what I want to do in my life. And that was the most liberating moment that began with me. Billy, if you could go back, would, would you have gone to college then? Or like, what would you have done? Have you ever thought about that? Uh, if I could go back. So you have to understand, uh, the short story is at 22, I went to prison for reckless homicide by delivery of a controlled substance after a friend died of a drug overdose. That led me into 10 years of prison. You can read all about that on my blog. But would I have, I probably would have, I think you should set yourself up for success. You should graduate college, have as many paths of success open to you. But for me personally, the greatest revelation and wisdom that I learned was when I abandoned everything, I said, okay, who am I? What do I want to do? And without fear, I'm going to pursue that. You know, I want to move this over to Leaf. You know, in some ways, as he's speaking about what do I want to do and abandoning things. I think about the idea that you're planning on leaving medicine. And one of the big things you're pursuing, continuing to pursue is your website, your conversation about personal finance. So tell me about this. You know, how much of your passion for personal finance in your blog, how much of that required a college education? Is that something you could have come to without going to school? It's interesting. I, I actually just wrote about this. I compared job A to job B, job A being anesthesiologist, job B being blogger. And that actually came in the comments from someone that said, you know, I was comparing and contrasting, but mostly contrasting the two. And someone said, well, yeah, they're very different. And, and of course, uh, you know, job A is stressful and has these crazy hours. And, and, but then again, you've learned a lot and you've gained your wealth through job A. Would you be able to do job B without the experience from job A. So could I, could I talk about personal finance if I hadn't accumulated enough money to last a lifetime? No, I, I, I couldn't. I mean, I, I came to uh, start writing about money after I realized I had enough to support our families living indefinitely. And so the two are very much connected. If I were a 19-year-old high school dropout, would I be able to talk about money unless I had somehow stumbled into the next Google, Facebook, whatever it is. I know. So there's definitely a big connection there. And, and I think uh, the reason that 
what I write resonates with people is that I am a physician. Uh, people can relate to me. People can feel they can trust me and I can show people that it is possible to accumulate X amount of dollars. If you, you know, earn, save, invest, et cetera. Yeah. Brad, when I hear him talking about this, I think a lot about the cost of college and you guys have talked a lot on the podcast about college hacking. And I start to wonder from an opportunity cost standpoint, you know, is the ultimate college hack not going to college? <laughs> yeah, I mean, right. The opportunity cost is four years of your life. So, yeah, I mean, does that supersede? I mean, I, I'll throw that right back to you, Doc. Like, does that supersede the money, in your opinion? Like, if you could do it all, I, well, maybe not you personally, but if you could advise someone, is the four years worth, which is worse, right? The four years or the money? Yeah. And, and so, you know, I would probably take it back again to what someone's true purpose is. And I know that's hard to figure what that is when we're young, but clearly if you add up my college education and my medical school education and all the money that it cost, and I was able to find a way to fulfill my purpose, be happy and make money at it, I might be ahead by the time I reached my current age of 45. So I think it is possible. Yeah. And I think to Billy's point, a lot of people just kind of get thrown into college because it's what's societally accepted, right? Like, do people really think about it? I think, I think that's what I would love is not for me to dictate whether college makes sense or not, right? Like, it's not my place to do that. But for people to actually sit back and say, when they're 17, or for parents to have this conversation with their 16 and 17 year old kids, like, does this make sense for you? Is this just the prescribed path? And that's why you're doing it? Or is there another course? So I think that's when I think of like second generation phi, those are the kind of conversations that I hope are happening. So Billy, you know, this again makes me really think of you because when we talk about what's expected of us, you kind of blew that all out of the water, right? Because you went to prison. So by the time you got done, you know, you were far past what people expected of you. Did that give you some freedom to then just go explore what was best? Um, yeah, I, I'll say when I first got out of prison, I was afraid. I hadn't seen the free world for 10 years. But then I also knew, like, I, I didn't answer it clear enough. I went back to school because I wanted to set myself for as many paths of success that I could possibly have. I mean, to, to be successful, you have to get lucky. And the people who get lucky are the ones who have as many options that they have to get lucky. And then just hopefully one of those takes off. So I have a, I, I'm lucky enough to be able to speak in schools all the time. And one of the most common questions is you know, do you think we should go to college? And I always say, I'm not going to tell you to, but what you should, you should be doing is setting yourself up for as many paths of success that you have because you never know what could happen. I'm self-employed. I could lose all my clients tomorrow, but you know what? Even if that happened, I'm going to wake up a college-educated, college-degree-holding person that can go apply for a job. And I like the freedom of not only doing my own thing, but having the freedom that I have back up plans to fall back to. And a college degree is one of those, even though I don't ever use it and probably never will. Leif, I'm wondering what you think about that as a father of two children. Um, what Billy seems to be saying is that there's this issue of risk mitigation. Tell me the conversation you'd have at home if one of your kids entering high school said, hey, dad, I've seen how successful you are on your blog. I don't think college is necessary. Right. Now, my boys are 10 and 8 now, so we're not going to have that conversation for a few <laughs> years. But um, you, you make a great point, and Billy made some great points too. You know, college, 
you don't need a college degree to be successful. There are plenty of people who have taken a chance, taken a risk, and uh, started their own businesses, become entrepreneurs, and done fantastic. You know, Bill Gates didn't finish college, neither did Mark Zuckerberg, I don't think. So uh, there are examples out there of those people. But for every one of those, there are 100,000 or several million people who uh, you know, took a chance and, and uh, didn't uh, become the CEO uh, and chairman of Facebook. So what will I say to my kids if they, they see I'm doing great with the blog? I'll tell them that kind of the same answer I had at the last question. You know, it, it was my career experience that led me to be able to start talking about money in this fashion. So I, I think it's risk mitigation. You're right. If you have a college degree, you, you are qualified to do a lot more things. You, you can fill out many more applications you can get a solid middle class to upper middle class job much easier than you can if you have no uh, letters behind your name, essentially. So, Brad, you know, kids today are facing a much different world and a much different economy than even we faced 10 years ago. We talk about the gig economy and it's using people's skill sets in a different way. Does college build that talent stack the way the gig economy requires of people today? Yeah, that is a very good question. I genuinely don't know. I mean, I think, I think college and many degrees certainly give you the ability to think. I think like learning how to learn, there's great value there. To me, the question is, is that worth four years of your life, right? So to Billy's point before, this reminds me of Annie Duke's book, Thinking in Bets, right? It's increasing the odds of success. How do you increase the odds of success in your life? So it's clearly to me, accumulating skills. Now, if you can go to college and accumulate those skills and part of this learning to learn, then there's value there. I mean, for me, not only did I get a great liberal arts education, which I think helped me on that learning to learn path, but I actually learned very concrete skills in an accounting degree. And that helped me directly get my CPA license within a year. And honestly, having those accounting skills have helped me with every single one of these businesses that I've run over the last 10 years and certainly over the last five when I've had successful ones. So I don't think as part of my talent stack, I don't think without the accounting that I'd be anywhere near as successful today. I just don't think it would be possible, honestly. You know, I, I'm hearing opportunity cost and, and it almost sounds like, you know, you, you lost four years by going to college or something like that. Like those four years are gone, but those four years were awesome, right? I mean, you know, I, they weren't lost years. It's kind of like Billy. I might have had a, a lost a weekend night or two, but um, <laughs> this weekend, actually today, I'm going back to the University of Minnesota, my alma mater. I'm wearing this shirt right now. And uh, I'm going to meet up with a, a couple of uh, blogging friends that actually also went to the school this evening. Tomorrow, I'm going to meet up with a couple of my college friends, and we're going to uh, a Golden Gophers football game. And so we have that shared experience, that common identity. I'm a third-generation Gopher grad. My dad and his dad both went to undergrad and dental school. I went to undergrad medical school there. And so it's part of a community, and it, uh, I mean, they were very formative years. So yeah, this speaks to life lessons, clearly, right? And life experience. We haven't talked about this at all yet. And we've, you hit on something huge. Like those years are not lost, obviously. And, and to just look at it in dollars and cents or the number of skills built, I think is short-sighted. So thank you for, for clarifying that without question. I think you grow up as a person in college. You meet 
lifelong friends. You make connections with professors, and in my case, the professors and deans and other students who are have gone on to be successful in life, and I still connect with them, right? I've had multiple guests on my podcast who I went to school with, and that's crazy. Like, we just reconnected in the last couple of years. I actually just had a friend that I knew back from school who did a documentary piece on me after reconnecting on Facebook. Like, that's crazy, you know, but those kind of things happen when you have a significant network. So, yeah, I mean, I'd love to hear everybody else's thoughts on, on building that network and how that's helped you. Yeah, I just have some, this, this idea of the culture of college is fascinating from some of my past experience. So, when I was in prison, I was, for 10 years, I was amongst the most least educated, most economically depressed cultures of people you could ever imagine. And it was eye-opening to me that so many of my friends in there had grown up in the inner city and had never left their city block. That was all they knew. The only people they knew was their friends that were selling crack down on the corner and their uncles who lived a block away and who were not a good influence in all their life. So that was all they knew. And it was a revelation to me who grew up in a decent family. You know, all my college uh, or all my family members were all college graduated. So I, that's all I knew was education and explore the world and learn and be open-minded. And so I think there's a mass population of people out there who have never left the place they grew up in and college can be the great equalizer that brings them into a culture where there's new people and new ideas and the peer pressure to be like the crack dealer down on the street isn't there anymore. And it empowers them to be like, I want to be myself. So that culture of college for the right person can be incredibly impactful and revelatory for them. Can it also be negative? I mean, in some of the writings you do, college probably created a ripe environment for you to have issues with addiction and other problems. Yeah, absolutely. For me, I think, I don't think college created that me. I was an experimenter of drugs long before I ever got to college. So if anything, the freedom of college was like gasoline on a fire because also I'm like, oh my God, I'm not living in my parents' house. I can do whatever I want and succeed however I want. And I was having fun. Like, I was not a, a drug addict. I was having a blast on a college campus for three to four years until what I realized you can have fun for so long till it all collapses around you. So that's what I try to tell other college kids, high school kids. This episode is brought to you by Range Rover Sport. Range Rover Sport leads by example. With a visceral, uncompromising, and dramatic feel, this car helps you rise to the occasion. How does it do that? Range Rover Sport has powerful on-road performance and commanding all-terrain capability by combining assertiveness with signature Range Rover refinement. This is the car that redefines sporting luxury. The new Range Rover Sport features advanced cabin technologies such as active noise cancellation and cabin air purification, purposeful cockpit-like driving position and award-winning PIVI Pro infotainment is at the heart of the experience and provides intuitive control of the vehicle systems. Design your Range Rover Sport at LandRoverUSA.com. Once again, explore and build your Range Rover Sport at L-A-N-D-R-O-V-E-R-U-S-A.com. That's LandRoverUSA.com. All right, so most of us know the bad news already. If you were using Mint as a budgeting app, it has shut down. But the good news is there's something better, and it's called Monarch Money. I started using Monarch Money myself about five months ago, and I knew immediately 
that I liked it more than any other budgeting app I had ever used. For one, it focuses on collaboration. This is easy to share with your spouse, your partner, your financial advisor, and it's aspirational. Not only can you look at your current budget, but what do you want to buy? What do you want your goals to be? You can focus on those in Monarch Money. It's the next generation of personal finance apps. Monarch is a top-rated all-in-one personal finance app. It gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Furthermore, you can create custom budgets, track progress toward financial goals, and collaborate with your partner. And now get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. Again, that's monarchmoney.com E-A-R-N. What I like about this app is it's intuitive, easy to use, quick to sign on. It's collaborative, as we talked about. It's customizable. The idea is you can use this app the way you want to use it. And the reason why is the Monarch Money team is customer-focused. They are focusing on you, me, and all the other people who want to use this app to live a better financial life. After trying out Monarch Money for myself, I understand why it's the top-rated personal finance app. And right now, listeners of this show will get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com earn. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H-M-O-N-E-Y dot com slash E-A-R-N for your extended 30-day free trial. Yeah, Billy, I want to stick with you for one moment because something else you brought up is interesting to me. In prison, you learned and you got an education about life and people. And I think that compared to the education we get in college halls and by taking exams, they're very different types of knowledge. Um, You talk a lot about entrepreneurship. Which type of education served you more, the college education or the people education when it comes to entrepreneurship? Well, this is a great question. And my entire philosophy of learning and growing is learn in an ordinary way and then break it to create your own way. That's how I write. You know, learn, go to an English class in in college 101, but then once you learn how to write, break it to make you. So I was lucky enough to have that journey. I was formally educated through college and then I had a chance to break it and create a better product, which was me in the prison library studying every day and preparing for my second chance. So I have a little bit of both worlds and, you know, I would be lying to say they both didn't serve me well. I want to transition a little bit and I'm going to pull it back to Brad. I've heard you talk a lot about the aggregation of marginal gains. And the funny thing about college is it kind of flies in the face of that, right? Because the day before you graduate college, you almost have nothing. And the day day after you graduate college, you have a degree and can go out and get a job. The switch is flipped quickly. As you guys have talked about, the future looks a lot different. And I think education is changing. Tell me about where you see education is going and how that relates to those aggregations of marginal gains. Does it mean that college will look like a lot more smaller class sessions, maybe not a full four years, maybe much more related to a skill or a skill set or building a portfolio? Yeah, I think building a portfolio, that's that's an interesting way to end that, certainly. I, I see it exactly that. So it, it's interesting, you're right. A, a traditional four-year degree is zero or one, right? It's binary. You have nothing until you have it. Right now, obviously, we've been arguing all along that there's skill there and there's skill and there's value in learning things, right? So I think as a human being, it's not zero or one, but according to society's measure, you either have a degree or you don't. Now, 
is that valuable in today's economy or is that relevant? Probably not. I mean, to me, and, and we have talked about coding, I guess, camps or universities like Treehouse is someone we interviewed on our podcast. And that is intuitive to me where you go and you learn an actual tangible skill where those people learn how to code in under six months. And they can prove it because they put their portfolio on a site like GitHub and it's obvious to employers that they have those skills. Now, to me, it's not obvious whether someone with a four-year degree has a skill or not. I know they have a four-year degree. That's about all I know at this point. But do they have skills and how do you figure that out without hiring them and just that's hit or miss at that point, right? So I... As a business owner and as an employer or a potential employer, I would love to be able to look at someone's portfolio in a whole diverse array of skills. That, that appeals to me. I mean, I, I'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. It certainly appeals to me. And one of the reasons it definitely does, and I'm going to pull Leaf in on this one, is as doctors, we see people drowning in student loan debt. And when you're looking at the four-year college or even the four-year medical school, it is zero or one. And to get to that one, you have to spend loads of money. Whereas when you look at a treehouse model, you get very much more specific skills and often you get it at a huge, huge discount. So the reason I wanted to bring this to Leaf is I think you do a lot of talking to people about student loans. Uh, we're kind of stuck in medicine, right? You, again, it's that zero to one model. Do right. you think student loans are a big part of what's keeping us financially back? Yes. The average physician finishes medical school with about $200,000 in debt. And that usually grows over residency because you don't earn enough to actually make the full payments. And that, uh, you know, that leads people to make different decisions in life. Maybe it's helping them decide to become a specialist of some kind rather than a family practitioner or a pediatrician. Maybe they're delaying marriage or delaying having kids because they can't afford a, a, you know, a house to support a family. Uh, there are some very real decisions that are life-changing that have to be made when, when you have that level of student loan debt. And if the average is 200,000, some people have four and 500,000. And if you're a physician couple, it can be eight hundred thousand to a million dollars in in debt. I mean, that's that's bigger than in most even doctor mortgages, right? So, yeah, absolutely. That and like you say, if there's a different model now in medicine, there's not, and I don't think there would be any time soon, right? But uh, but for many other career you know paths, a, a model where you you pay as you go and you pick up certain skills and certifications that seems to make a lot of sense. Now we can't all be coders. We're still going to need, you know, uh, people to fix our plumbing and electricity. Of course, those are jobs that don't require a college degree either. We haven't really talked much about, about those. There, there are lots of different real world, not so much online uh, jobs that don't require a college education too. So Billy, what Leaf says is interesting because yeah, if you want to become a doctor or a lawyer, you're kind of stuck, right? You, you've got to, spend the money, you've got to most likely take out the loans, etc. But that really contrasts with your average person going for a four-year liberal arts degree. A lot of times those people come out without a significant plan and without a career trajectory. Uh, but nowadays, especially if you don't go to an in-state school, you may have $100,000, $150,000 worth of loans. Is it worth it? I mean, should we 
be going and getting these vague four-year liberal arts degrees without a clear plan? Segues perfectly into a topic I want to talk about. This is what I have learned from entrepreneurship is starting my own business. I literally walked into company's door and said, hey, my name's Bill. This is my business. This is what I do. And I want to work with you. Is there an opportunity? And you know what? All those clients that I met walking into businesses and cold calling them, none of them said, well, can I see your college degree? What, what I've learned is the market does not care about a college degree. The market simply cares and the market is the clients who are potentially going to buy it for me. The market cares, am I honorable enough? Am I real enough? And do I have a good enough product and service that will help them succeed in their business? And that is all they care about is do I have a great product and service at a great price that fits their budget? And if I do, they could care less where I just came from, what school I went to. My business sells 300 to 400,000 a year and it could care less. All that money comes in from companies that it could care less. Guys, to me, there's, there's some like continuum or interplay here. And, and I'd love to get your thoughts on it. Like the crux of the matter to me is like, there's a lot going on, right? There's the experience of college, which we talked about, the skills that you potentially learned, this zero or one degree, the relationships you make, and getting a job when you come out. And there are different ways to go about this. You, we, we talk about on our podcast, going to community college for two years, right? So that cuts down the cost significantly, but does that take away from the relationships and the experience? If you walk in as a junior, I, I don't know about you guys, but like most of my friends, I made them within the first month of freshman year. I don't know if that's normal or not, but yeah, that's just like kind of how it worked for me. So like if I'm advising my daughters who, if they're going to go to college, do I advise them the most frugal path, which is two years of community college and then two years at a four year and you get that same four year degree, or do I advise them go to a four year college right from day one, because that's where you're going to make relationships. That's going to be the best experience. I, that's a really tough question for me. I, I love that, Brad, because that's ex exactly where I'm coming from this on this episode, because I, I'm like you, I have, I think our kids are right at the same age. And then I've, I've actually met Leaf's kids and I, I struggle with trying to figure out how to advise my own kids. I, I because I, I was raised and I figure you guys were too, that college was your way out, was your way to take the next step in the stratification of your socioeconomic class. And so, and, and that was true for me. I, I, I probably went up a rung or two on the socioeconomic class because I got a marketable engineering degree, but that was because I was interested in engineering, but not everybody is. This, this is the crux of the question is factoring in all those points that you just made, Brad, and trying to apply that to your own kids and trying to help guide them to make the right decision. Go ahead, Leif. I think it'll depend on the individual child, right? Yeah. Uh, some kids are ready to be off on their own at, at probably 16 or 17, and they're very mature, and they're going to handle it well. Uh, there are others that, that might benefit from living at home and going to the nearest community college because they're just not ready to fly the coop. So I, I think you take that on a kid-by-kid kid basis, you know? And Paul, the extra wrinkle here, especially in your case and my case, is we're at FI, right? So does socioeconomic status is rising the rung, does that matter to you? It sure doesn't matter to me at all. I don't care about my kids, right? Like it doesn't matter at all. I just want my kids to be happy. So this is, this is a tough issue. And I, I think it's, there is that further wrinkle for people in the fine community. 
And if you are phi, and this is uh, something that's somewhat unique to us, and we've actually talked about, you know, we can kind of combine the two. So our kids would have the opportunity to attend a university as a high school student. Say they finish their, you know, high school studies by age 15 or 16, and then you can go to the University of Minnesota, University of Michigan, for free. Uh, and, we, and we have the ability to just move to those cities and live next to campus and get an apartment as a family. You know, so that's kind of a, a third option that might give us the best of both worlds, have our kids attend a full-fledged university when they're a little bit younger and actually not pay for it. The, the state picks up the tab on that. And it, from my experience, my parents did push me to college, but rightfully so, because I, at the time, I didn't have a better plan. And I was not the mature 38-year-old that I am now that I was when I was 18 years old. So in some ways, college did help me just have a couple years to figure myself out. And then by the time I started maturing intellectually into my 20s, then I could go off on my own. Do you think, Billy, that, that going to college creates relationships that help you in the business world when you get out and, and are trying to make a living? I'm going to take a, a, since nobody else said it, I'll say no. And this is my reason why. I am still good with my college friends, but you know what? They're Facebook friends that I will see once every couple of years. Personally, from my experience, I am very involved with a very active church that I'm involved with that I make tons of relationships. We hold, host a wealth well done group here through there where eight people, a session comes over. And we just talk about money and all the time. Those are my best friends. And I was able to find those for absolutely no cost. Uh, Brad, that, that brings up a big question is, do we make those relationships in college that lead to success or do we find something that we're interested in and then create a successful community around us after we've left college? So you might say you have connections left over from college, but I would also bet that a lot of these financial independence connections you've made, which have really served you at this point in your life, were people that you had no interaction with up to this point. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yeah, I mean, I certainly credit my network in the financial independence world as a big part of my success. I think that network is crucial. And yeah, whether you find it like Billy through a church or through a college or through some local organization, I think having a network is the essential part. But yeah, it's so going back to me, like if I were to have been in corporate and I had lost my job, I think I could have leaned on some of my college relationships. So I think I did have close enough relationships that I could have and would have leaned on them. But honestly, it never came to that. So I can't prove that, of course. But, you know, many of these people are very successful in their careers and could potentially have helped me. So again, I can't prove any of that. But it's a belief that it would have helped had I kept on the normal path. Now, obviously, as you said, Doc, like in my current life, my financial independence relationships, clearly that was well after college. That was a decade after college. So it had nothing whatsoever to do with college, not even in the remotest sense. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Yeah, I would make the point that uh, from what I know of you, this financial independence work, this podcast is your life's work. And certainly the accounting and the business stuff, I would guess is not, although a lot of your side hustles and side gigs have used some of that knowledge. Yeah. And that's, that's the hardest part to quantify, right? So am I a pretty decent podcaster in the financial independence world because I have that background and I have those skills? I think there's a part of that, right? But would, would I be at that level of knowledge? And I don't think, honestly, people are listening to me for my level of knowledge, but, like, but there's, some, there's some aspect of that, right? Like, 
could I be at that level of knowledge just as if I was self-taught? Yes, of course I could be, right? So at Salif's point before, it's the individual, right? It comes down to who you are, what are your passions, and what are you going to pursue? Leaf, I want to transition the conversation a little bit here. 529 plans, you've talked about those on your website. Is your thinking about them any different, not from a financial perspective, but just in the sense, have your ideas of college and what you're going to do with your kids evolved over time as you've seen the economy change and you've been a financial independence blogger? Only over the last uh, 40 minutes or so, you know, because <laughs> I realized, gosh, maybe my kids' kids won't need 529 money. I'm not even sure my kids will. I think they will. But no, we have saved over $100,000 in each of our boys' 529 plans, and they're not going to touch them for a while, and we're probably not done contributing to them. So it will be a, a good sum of money. I think there's a decent chance that my kids will go to both traditional college and further academic studies beyond an undergraduate degree. And so I want that money to be there. I also would uh, like my kids to have some skin in the game. And so we'll let them know that any money that you don't use can stay and be used for future generations if you have kids someday. A uh, bit of a legacy, if you will, on a 529. And so I, I like that we're doing that. There are ways to get that money back. You pay a 10% penalty and some taxes on the earnings, but it, it doesn't, it's not the money's not gone. We could use it on ourselves. We could learn how to uh, do Parisian cooking in, in the heart of Paris, right? They even need 529 money for that. Uh, I think even living expenses over there if you enroll in a school. So there are different ways to use or access that money. And uh, I don't regret putting the money there. But I guess I'm questioning, like, is the whole legacy idea, if we end up with a quarter million dollars in each of them and they only use 100000 of it, and let it grow for a couple of decades. What will education look like in 40 or 50 years when we might have grandkids that are ready to use it? That I don't know. Yeah. Billy, knowing what you know, if you plan on having kids, do you think you'll do 529 plans? Uh, sure. I mean, that, that stems back. Uh, we hope to have kids. We are in the process of trying, my wife and I. So in the future, we're thinking about these things. And it stems back to my philosophy on life is creating as many possible paths to success because you get lucky when you have lots of options and one of those works out. So I would probably, from my experience, do the same thing my parents did. Lead them towards college. Say, I'm going to help you. We plan for this. However, if you have a better idea than the one I have for you, Come tell it to me, and I would be more than excited to help you take that idea and turn it into a better option than college. And Brad, same thing, 529 plans for your kids? Yeah, we do have 529 plans, but along with paying off our mortgage early, this is one of the most contentious issues with uh, my wife and I. I think, and, and contentious, I say kind of tongue-in-cheek, we don't argue about it, but we go back and forth. So, Currently, we definitely do have 529 plans. Each of our daughters, they have a, a fraction of what uh, Leafs boys have, but, but we've been kind of dutifully putting in every month for, since they were born. And yeah, I mean, I think there's value, but I guess I'm only getting a state tax deduction. And, and part of why I go back and forth on this is, does it actually cut down on options? And an interesting kind of topic is student loan aid. Uh, is the FAFSA and how to kind of maximize that in essence. So my issue is I don't know the rules well enough. And my concern is, am I precluding some interesting option that I, that I have available to me as a FI, as someone at FI, right? Which is the beautiful part about FI is like we can approach problems differently. And 
I suspect there are some interesting different hacks or options for college aides that I don't know about. And I think that's, that's my concern. I know, uh, you know, to be continued, obviously, but have you guys researched this on, on whether it makes sense to contribute to a 529 just from that perspective? I have a little bit because I, I do have a, a decent sized taxable account and they're going to look at that and, and on a FAFSA. And I think there's a good chance that you are going to have a pretty good income in 10 years from your online activities unless you just cease everything, uh, which will also disqualify you from any meaningful uh, need-based aid. And so, yeah, I, I've, I've looked at what the FAFSA looks at, and I, I know that it's uh, we're not going to qualify for any need-based aid. Even if I didn't have any income, I've got assets, and it's means tests. Right. And, and as I understand it, income is the most significant aspect, right? For parents, it's somewhere in the 40s or 50% of their income, and whereas assets, it's down in the 5% or thereabouts. Do you, I, I don't know offhand. Unfortunately, I didn't research it. but Yeah, uh, I think you know more than I do, actually. I just know that I... I'm not going to qualify, so I stopped looking yeah. at that point. No, that's that's a very good point. Yeah, I have a similar struggle. How much do you want to put into an account that's so restrictive when there's so many other ways to college hack, or is it even necessary? <laughs> necessary. Uh, one thing I have researched and figured out that what qualifies for uh, educational expense is pretty broad. So I have confirmed that you can go to another country and like learn Spanish or something. If you go to a school there, then that qualifies. So anything that is educational expenses can can work. So you can get pretty creative with what you use it for. But even so, that hasn't convinced me to just really start piling money into 529 plans when I feel like I could do much smarter things with that money. It's the, it's the other side of things. So that's just a real tactical piece that I'm not sure I have a real clear answer on. I don't know about the numbers, but I do think it's the reason why I probably won't pump a ton of money into mine eventually when I do is I think it's good for young adults who are going into college to know how much stuff costs and to feel the pain of it a little bit. Yeah. My parents were unbelievable. They wanted to do everything for their kids that their parents couldn't do. Unfortunately, that led me to taking a lot of things for granted and not being grateful for them because it was just always there and it was always given to me. I don't want my kids to experience that where everything is given to them. So I'll put money in there, but I don't want to be getting them rich without having to understand what it takes to get rich. Yeah, I like, I like that plan better than uh, just cash flow in college. Well, we'll, whatever you decide to do, we'll pay for it, right? I'd rather have an X amount of dollars, even if it's a lot of dollars. This is what's available. You use it, great. If you don't, keep it. But then they have they have to make some value-based decisions where they go to college, where they live next to college, because you can use the 529 for that, all that sort of thing. Leif, did you have to consider that when you went through your college choice? I know we've talked offline. We both got into very similar schools that cost a lot of money and, and have some pretty big reputations, and we both decided not to go there. I'd be curious, like, did your parents decide to pay for X amount was anything over that yours? Like, how did, how did that work, if you remember? I, I do remember. Well, um, my grandfather was a physician, and he passed away in 1980 and left uh, a certain amount of money for each of his three grandkids. So I had about $40,000 spread out over six years to spend for uh, my college education. That was a set amount, and it was a good amount, um, but it wasn't going to pay for tuition, fees, room and board for more than a, a couple of years at, at most schools. So... I, yeah, like you said, we, we both uh, got into uh, uh, 
uh, what does it rhyme with uh, spook, <laughs> 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 uh, I think, and decided not to go and went to uh, respective state schools that uh, served as well. But absolutely, I made a value-based decision. I had a 75% tuition scholarship offer to Vanderbilt, which was really high on my list at the time. But then the University of Minnesota came through with a full tuition scholarship, and I had some other scholarships, some of which were also four years. And so I, I looked at the numbers and realized I could get through undergrad in the black if, if I include the, uh, you know, the little bit of inheritance money that was college money for my grandpa. So, so yeah, I finished undergrad um, with money in the bank and finished medical school by staying in state uh, again and getting a scholarship to help out a little bit with med school. Uh, and I had about 60000 in debt uh, compared to the average back then was about 95000 Even staying home, getting a bunch of scholarships, in state public schools, I still had about two thirds of the average debt coming out of college. And I lived in crappy apartments near campus and, you know, walked and biked and all that. You know, I was doing all the fi hacks. I was pulling all the levers way back when. And still, uh, it, did, it did cost a lot of money. So if I had made a different choice and gone to the big name school, private school, taking on a lot of debt, I might still have student loan debt today. Yeah, so let's try and bring this to a close. I wish we could stay and talk about this for hours, but let's review. I'll allow each of you one more chance at the podium. Is college worth it? What would you advise to somebody who is listening to this and is trying to consider what to do with their kids or if they want to go back to college? Is college worth it? Brad, we'll start with you. Yeah, I genuinely believe college is worth it. I think it was a, a great experience that I had. I learned essential skills and I wish that I had done it even smarter, honestly. And I think that's what I would advise is to really decide, A, is college worth it for you? But if you decide that it is, is there a way to do it more intelligently and to save money? Like Leaf just said, maybe go to a state school and try to get some scholarship or apply for one or many of the thousands or tens of thousands of little local scholarships or private scholarships that exist. So I think there's a way to do it more intelligently, certainly than I did. And I, I tried to be smart about it at the time, but I realized looking back that it was, it was a far cry from what I would have done if I knew then what I know today. Same to you, Billy. College is worth it, but this is the, my only way that I will recommend it. Get the cheapest degree possible. Go to a two-year community college to get your generals. Find out what you want to do. If, you're, if your purpose and goal is to be free in life, do entrepreneurial things, be a real estate investor, get a degree. Don't spend any more than you have to. When I came out of prison, many, many massive corporate people I looked up to that were making several figures looked at me and says, it doesn't matter where you get your degree, just get one. That's all people are going to care about. Leaf. I hate to uh, be in the echo chamber here, but I do think it's worth it. I suppose it depends on the individual, and, and Brad touched on that. Not not everyone is uh, going to uh, prosper in college, and some people will do better in the trades, and, and some people just want to start making money, and there's nothing wrong with that, and you can be successful uh, without a college degree. But it, it does increase your likelihood of success. There are plenty of studies and data that show that your eventual income will be higher, the higher your level of, of education and formal education is. So yes, I think it's worth it. I hope my kids choose to go to college. Go Gophers. <laughs> go Gophers, I like that. All right, so we'd like to give everybody a chance to promote where you are on the internet and anything that you are working on that you'd like to announce or share with or, or tease out there. 
Uh, Brad, where can people find you and what's up next in your life? Yeah, I think the easiest place since you're listening to this podcast is to just search for Choose FI for Financial Independence and just download an episode. An easy one to start with is episode 100. I think that's kind of an intro to the FI community. And yeah, just see if you like it and who knows, start it at the beginning. You got anything else brewing in your life? Nothing major. Just uh, just trying to live a nice happy life. I think uh, that's, that's what it's all about, right? Like I'm just trying to be more intentional. I just got back from the Chautauqua event in Greece and I'm just trying to prioritize my life and my really down to my days and figure out mm-hmm. what do I want to get out of a day or a week or a month. Well, we sure enjoy hearing about it on your podcast. So make sure and check them out if you haven't already. Billy, how about you? Where can we find you? And you got anything brewing in your life? What's up next for you? Yeah, my long-term dream for a long time has been to be a writer. So that's what I'm working at. Um, you can find me at wealthwelldone.com. If you subscribe to my email or uh, my email list, you'll get all my prison stories in every email newsletter I set out. And I'm going to start writing about my prison stuff. My biggest fear for the last five, there's a funny story. My biggest fear for the last five years is what if my clients found out I was in prison? Well, just this last week, I was emailing my, one of my biggest clients, a billion dollar company, and I put the wrong link in and my prison story went to all of them. <laughs> I got, coming back from a billion dollar company that is a big part of my income, I got question mark, question mark, question mark. I got LOL. And the next day I got a $10,000 purchase order from them. So I no longer have to be afraid of what if people find out who I am. Um, that is the biggest thing that's my miracle this week. That's good news. That's a great story. Leaf, where can we find you on the internet and got anything brewing? You got anything happening? What's up next for you? I am at physicianonfire.com. Uh, you can type in pofire.com. That finds me also. Twitter and Facebook too. Um, what's up next? Well, I'm actually working more than part-time right now, which is why I was on call on a, on a random Thursday. Um, thankfully, we'll be back to a full workforce at my hospital by January, so I'll be working part-time. And then by August or September, uh, my replacement is coming. So I'll be down to one job, which is just the uh, online blogging, doing whatever I want to do, uh, being a more present family man. So I'm excited about that. So that's what's up next. So I was really interested by this episode. One of the reasons was I thought, hands down, all three were going to tell us, oh, college, it's not necessary anymore. And the reason why is I think in our community, we're really connected to this idea of the talent stack. Mm. Right? So what you do is you build a stack of talents, which eventually will serve you in the work world. And the old way Back in the day, the talent stack was based on really one major jump. It was going to college. You Mm -hmm. went to college, you got your degree, you went from having nothing to having everything. Then if you decided you wanted to go to professional school, graduate school, become a doctor, lawyer, that was like step two, but you didn't necessarily need step two. After you got to step one, then you were already ready to go out to the work world. Nowadays, at least we in the financial independence community, we look at them as much different. We look at your accrued experience and your training, and we look at each of those as a step that you take towards building this talent stack. And it's not the degree behind your name, but the talents you can point to, the skills that you've built that are going to help you in this new economy. So I was kind of refreshed because I thought this conversation was going to be fairly anti 
higher education. What I found is for all three of our panelists, they still felt education was important, even though, you know, you could argue that two of the three, Brad and Billy from Wealth Well Done, aren't really using a college degree to do what they do today. What did you think about it? Well, I agree because I had the same sentiment that I really question if college is required unless you have a path that requires college to get you there, like being a lawyer or being an accountant, a CPA. It requires certain steps to get there. But the overwhelming message from our panelists was that those, at least those have kids, they expect for their children to go to college. I kind of feel the same way. I have kids of similar age and I have this expectation that yes, they will go to college, but it will be slightly different from what maybe the generation that I went through is that college serves a different purpose now. College is more of a let's go discover yourself versus it is the required way in order to get that higher education or or to get that higher earning potential. I feel like there are plenty of paths to a higher earning potential outside of college. And now the default advice of go to college and get the best pedigree of college is required. Now, I, my advice has changed to, to my own children, depending on their personality and probably to people who are listening to this, depending on your children's personality, you give the advice of get a couple of years through a community college, find yourself, find your path, and then go to the appropriate college, the four-year degree, if you need it. Yeah, I think it really holds true that the advice we're nowadays giving is it's only a small fraction of the community that needs to go for the ivory tower, right? The Harvards, the Yales, the Princetons. It's only a small number of people who really need to go for that really expensive university education. And for some, it makes sense, right? If you want to go into academics, if you want to be a doctor and be a world-class researcher, right? All those things make sense. But for everyone else, what I guess we're finding is what we're looking to our education for, especially the kind of broad general college education is for the softer skills. And in order to get those softer skills, you don't really need a big name behind you. And I guess I would throw it right back at you, Paul, what you're doing today, how much of what you do on a day-to-day basis depends on college, even though per se, doing the real estate and the coaching and the writing that you're doing, obviously there had to be something that you probably gleaned from college that's helped you on this path, but maybe it wasn't dependent on it. It, it was not at all dependent. It was part of my path and I certainly learned something from it, but I could have gotten to the same place without college. That's what I've come to believe is that college is not the necessary stepping stone that it used to be. It makes sense for your circumstances, your children's circumstances, if you want to go on to something specific that requires a degree. Or you can hack your way into it to where you get the least amount of expenses, the least amount of debt, and you find a path that is aligned with the calling you kind of find yourself. Because the thing is, when you're 18 or 19 years old and starting in college, man, it's hard to know what your path is because my path has changed two or three times in the last, or I guess in my career, my path has changed a couple of times. And I'm not the same person that I was when I was 18. I would not recognize the person I was from when I was 18. And I 
feel that that is probably the case for many people and college can be a way to help discover it. I just don't feel like it's worth paying the high dollars that it requires now to go to some of the more upper echelon universities in order to just discover yourself. You can discover yourself at community college. Yeah. And I think the sad truth is it's somewhat to come about money, right? Because yeah. it makes sense in the financial independence community. We evolved to be this way, right? We became valuists. Mm-hmm. And so we now have this group who look for deep levels of value in how we spend our time. And we also are incredibly conscious about how much things cost. So the problem that we're finding is that we are not finding that deep value in relation to the cost of education. And so this makes a lot of sense for us to be talking about this because this is exactly what we do when we pursue financial independence. We measure time and value and return on investment. And because the cost of education has risen so insanely over the last few decades, it no longer gives us that return of investment. If college wasn't so expensive, we would not be having this conversation. Everyone would say, of course, you should go to college. But for our community, we are always parsing out the value of our time. And it's become less valuable to go to school. Yes. Yeah. And I I would have never thought in the past that I would say this, Uh, but I'm kind of proud also of our community that we're asking this question because I think that is what's next. I think we can't just accept the traditions of the past when they don't make sense. And that's what we do in this community. That's right. We think differently. Yeah. And that's what's up next. All right. Well, this has been the What's Up Next podcast. On behalf of myself, Doc G, and my partner, Paul Thompson, we'd like to thank Brad Barrett of Choose FI, Leaf from Physician on Fire, and Billy from Wealth Well Done. That's a wrap. Oh, it was so much fun. It was exactly what you'd expect, like times 1.3. Life-changing. I mean, it's just a conversation with me for an hour. You know, I mean, it's not, not guaranteed. I'm sure that'll be life-changing, Brad. I'm uh, sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Brad couldn't help it. He, he just can't help but ask questions. He is a just a classic <laughs> podcast. Yeah, I'm sorry, guys. I, I, I have a tendency to do that a little much. I almost called you father a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. I, I get that a lot because I have a t-shirt under a t-shirt. <laughs> sorry, father, for I have sinned. Because <laughs> we're, we're once a week, so we're kind of going to slowly trick no roundup for us, Brad. <laughs> <laughs> That's very smart. That's too much work. Tech moves fast. So keep pace with the Daily Crunch podcast from TechCrunch. With new episodes every day, this podcast will give you a quick overview on everything you need and should know about startups, new tech, regulations, and more. Listen to TechCrunch Daily Crunch now, wherever you get your podcasts. That's TechCrunch Daily Crunch, wherever you get your podcasts. It feels really good to be productive, but a lot of the time it's easier said than done, especially when you need to make time to learn about productivity so you can actually, you know, be productive. But you can start your morning off right and be ready to get stuff done in just a few minutes with the Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day podcast. New episodes drop every weekday, so listen and subscribe to Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts. That's Inc. Productivity Tip of the Day wherever you get your podcasts.